Welcome to Leading Lights. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I'm going to pray quickly and uh, then we can carry on. Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the way you speak into our individual lives, Lord. Though it's one message, it communicates many different things to each of us. And so that's what I'm praying for today by your Holy Spirit, you will take my words and that, Lord, you would make them what you need them to be for each of us, Lord, that you will make up where I lack, God, that you will be everything for us today. Help us to just tune out all the distractions, God, and to hear that still, small voice of your Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts and minds and showing us the way. I just give this time to you, Lord. Have your way, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. And we know he will answer because he's good. So we've been away for a month in Zimbabwe, uh, most of it in Zimbabwe, a few days uh, with my dad in South Africa. And can I just say it was the most wonderful time. That is not to make you feel jealous, but just to let you know that we really, really had a fantastic time. Part of our fear was that we'd be doing so much that we'd feel like we just want to come home and have a holiday, if you know what I mean. Seeing so many people and doing so much stuff. We were busy, but we had a fantastic time. And it was great to be able to pick up, in many respects, with where we left off. You know, I, I was, I've been saying to a few people, it's like we have our life here. And when we got on the airplane, we, we unplugged from that life. We traveled all the way back over to Africa and plugged back in into a life that we last lived nine years ago with faces and people that we remembered and a way of life that we remembered. And then when we came home, we unplugged from that one. It was amazing. Uh, a really, really good time. We saw lots of people. We went lots of places. We had lots of weather. Came back browner. I'm sad to say a few people have reminded me a bit fatter. <laughs> ate really well. Uh, But I'll tell you all of that to kind of say the main reason that we went um, was because it was Heidi's folks anniversary and they were celebrating their 50th anniversary. Now I've been married for 18 years and I think we're doing amazingly. I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to be married for 50 years. I'm only 40. I haven't even lived that long. I don't even know what that feels like, let alone be married to another person for 50 years. You, I am sure, if you sit for a moment and consider that, can agree that is a most momentous milestone. Hey? How many people do you know that hit 50 years and are still married? right? I want to talk today about building relationships that last, okay? This holiday for us was all about reconnecting with people and relating with family and friends, getting our kids to meet their cousins again. When we last left them, they were that big and now they're this big, you know? It's all about relationships at the end of the day. And I want to talk this morning about this idea of how we can build relationships that last. My, my brother-in-law posted something on Facebook that I thought was funny. 
uh, it says that uh, marriage is like a deck of cards. When you start, all you need are two hearts and a diamond. But by the end, you wish you had a club and a spade. <laughs> Which on one hand really reflects on how the, view, the world views marriage. Um, it's funny from the point of view that you and I understand why it's funny. How many of you can agree that relationships are hard work? They are. Let's be honest. Okay? When you are related to people or you have friendships with people over an extended period of time, when you are married to someone, you know the hearts and the diamonds are there. But if we're all really honest, there are times when we wish we had a club in our hands. You know? Relationships are hard work. And I want to talk to you today, and I'm reflecting my own self when I consider this 50-year milestone. How can I make sure that Heidi and I get to 50 years? Because that kind of thing doesn't happen by accident. Amen. Right? Healthy marriages don't happen by accident. Healthy families, they don't happen by accident. Healthy friendships, they don't happen by accident. Healthy churches, boy, they don't happen by accident. Do you know why? Because people are involved. Someone once said the church would be great if there were no people. You know? The truth is, folks, we all have awkward, fallen characters. And we are saved, but we are being saved, which means that there's a real process going on, that day by day, something is happening in us, but it's not finished yet. And one day, when Jesus comes back, or when we die and we go to heaven, we won't have to worry about the difficulties that come with trying to relate with other people, because everything will be perfect. But we don't live there now, do we? We live here. And we want to see that kingdom come in these relationships, but it doesn't happen by accident. So I want to talk today about a few things that I've been reflecting on. I've been reading in the book of Ephesians. Paul's writing to the church there. We're taking a break from our, our current series. Uh, we are letting people see Jesus, but uh, I'm, I'm speaking from the epistle that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And I, I want to talk about three basic things. You're going to go away today and say, well, there was nothing massively new that I heard today. But sometimes the most important things are the things that we need to keep being reminded of. And I want to talk about three things today. Commitment. I want to talk about communication. And I want to talk about the ability to press the reset button, to recalibrate our relationships. Okay, so let's... Let's kick right into that. We're talking about how you and I can be really intentional, how we can pursue fantastic relationships. You know, Greg was referring earlier on about how wonderful it is to be family. You know, it is wonderful. It's wonderful to be friends. It's wonderful to be married. It's, it's wonderful to be in a church. But how can we make sure that we stay the course? Number one, commitment. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4. You can turn there if you like. I'm going to read it out so you can listen as well if you, f if you prefer. Uh, 
Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, reading from verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Listen to this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given. Thank God for that. Right, let me pull out a few points from that passage today. You and I are called to something. We are called to unity. I don't know if you heard all the ones in that passage, which reflect diversity in relationship. Okay, which is what God has called us to. God has called us to unity. He hasn't set us in the earth to be standalone individuals. He has put us in this earth to live amongst one another, to relate to one another. And there are many levels that we relate. And we're talking about all those different levels today, whether it's just friendship, whether it's marriage, whether it's uh, church family. You know, we're called to live in unity. One is what we're called to be. One body together. Make every effort, Paul says, to keep that unity. Think about that for a moment. This is, this is where we succeed or where we fail when it comes to building relationships that last. How much effort are we prepared to make? If we're going to have successful relationships that last we have to be committed to making every effort. And you know, sometimes that's more easy than other times, isn't it? But it's when we stop making every effort that the relationships break down. And so that's a fairly straightforward point. Don't give up on each other. Don't give up. Because you, with the grace that God gives you, can make those relationships work. Make every effort as far as it depends on you. Don't think about the effort that the other person might not be making. It's 100% that we give to our relationships. They're not 50-50. They're 100%, 100%. Amen. And so I don't know where you're at today. You might be in the midst of difficult family issues. You might have friends that have gone a bit haywire with you. Your marriage might be struggling. Uh, you may feel a bit uncomfortable in church 
because of how you're relating to other people or things that are happening. I just want to encourage you today. God's calling us to unity in whatever those relationships are. And he's calling us to make every effort and be committed to making every effort. Paul mentions a few things that we could really reflect on, you and I. The idea of humility, the idea of gentleness, the idea of patience and of love. These are all characteristics that we need to express if we're going to see relationships succeed. And so I want to just challenge you today when it comes to this idea of commitment. It all rises and falls on a decision, a choice that we make today. And a decision and a choice that we repeat when we wake up tomorrow. A choice and a decision that we make time and time and time and time again. Amen. Our lives are the sum result of the choices that we make. Nothing comes to you by accident. Every decision that you make shapes what today looks like and what tomorrow looks like. If we make good decisions, we will get good. If we make bad decisions, we will get bad. It's as simple as that. As complicated as life is, those are the simple choices. They're not complicated. And every time we make a good decision, every time we make a decision to see this thing through, we're developing something called trust. And trust is what these relationships are built on. Every time trust passes the test, commitment grows and relationships become stronger. Relationships don't grow in the easy times. They don't find their depth and their richness through the happiness only. They find their richness through the difficulties that we overcome together. So I want to challenge you. Choose to see the relationship through. Give yourself to it. Even when you feel like you can't go on, say, God, thank you that you give me grace to stay the course of the relationships that you've put me in. Amen. Point number two, moving along, communication. How many of you know how important communication is? Hey? Have you felt at any time in your life that you commun communicated really well, but actually it wasn't understood how you communicated it? How easy it is for that to happen. I want to talk about that from Ephesians chapter 4, a few verses on. We're going to read verses 22 to 27. Paul writes there, Listen carefully. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new, listen to this, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And this is important. Do not give the devil a foothold. How many of you know 
The devil is looking for any opportunity to break up relationships. Because he loves it when people get isolated. When they're on their own and they have to deal with life and all that it brings on their own. That is tough. And that's the perfect place that the devil wants you and I. If he can, if he can, if he can drive a wedge in and crack that door open and get his foot in the door, then he can start to push on it. And before you know it, our lives are isolated and we struggle. Old habits die hard. And what Paul's talking about here is of putting off our old self. That we've been taught to put on our new self and put off our old self. And now, if I'm to be honest, my old self is the kind of self that doesn't want to have to do with awkward people. And when they upset me, I'd rather just push them to one side and get on with my life. Hey, it's easier to do that. But actually the new self that Christ is calling us to that oneness and that unity means we can't just go around causing relationship carnage. We are called to work at our relationships and that means I have to deal with my own desires. I have to deal with my own heart. I have to deal with my own frailties. I need God to work in me. I need to put off those old habits, those old temptations. When they come knocking, those old attitudes that, oh, I can't be bothered. You said that and I heard that this is what it meant and I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. That's an old way. That's not the new way that God is calling us to. We need to put that off. We need a new attitude. And I think... We all could do with growing in our attitude towards communication. I don't like conflict, right? Some people are just quite straightforward and happy. I just feel rubbish when conflict is about. And my temptation is to avoid it. But you know what happens when we avoid conflict? We go away thinking we heard this, when actually that person never meant that. Yes? And it builds and it festers inside of us and it never gets sorted out because we never took the time to say, you know what, when you said that, this is what I heard. Is that what you meant? And they're like, no, not at all. You know, you communicated and in that instance, it was just straightforward. You just misunderstood. I can be a bit flippant sometimes. I can say things that I suddenly walk away and think, I wonder how they heard that, you know? And they could be silly little things, but they're like little wedges that can stick in a relationship between people, you know? And so it's really important that we learn to just approach people and talk if we're concerned about something. Communication is vital for us. So the first thing when it comes to communication that I would say is, and, and I suppose in this context it has something to do with a bit of conflict, if you feel that someone has said something and it's upset you, speak up, right? We have to be more robust, and I'm speaking to myself in the way that we communicate with people and we relate to them, you know? Let's be realistic and know that we have to talk through things sometimes, that, you know, that our goal is to get beyond that and not let it get in the way. So I would say the first thing, if there is an issue, is speak up right? The second thing is, speak soon. 
right? Bearing in mind that you might be furious, let those emotions simmer down a little bit. But don't put off these kinds of conversations because the longer you put them off, the harder they are to have. Okay, so I'd say speak up and speak soon. Uh, the third thing which is really helpful is speak to and not about. Okay, do you get the difference there? If you've got a problem with someone or if something's not working out, take the time to speak to them. That's really biblical. Okay, sometimes we might go and speak to someone else about such and such. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been guilty of that. I have. I'll put my hand up okay, and be honest about it. What we need to learn to do is actually biblically speak to that person. Okay, that can solve a lot of complications in terms of communicating. All right. So how do you go about speaking up, speaking soon, and speaking to? How do you do that and keep it productive? Uh, Paul says... Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Now, I kind of interpreted that as being, someone comes up to you and says, how are you doing? And you say, I'm fine. But you're not. That's not helpful, is it? The idea, I think, is for us to be honest. Okay? So, speak, uh, put off falsehood, he says, and speak truthfully to your neighbor. So, when you talk about stuff, talk about the facts. Okay, I think if we can try and be objective in the way that we talk to each other, it can be a lot more productive. When we all get bent out of shape emotionally, then it gets a bit messy, doesn't it? So let's talk about the facts. And speak in love, Paul says. I think that some of us might be guilty at times when we go and speak to someone else our sole purpose is to just vent our frustration at that person and in a way make them pay for what they've done to us. But I think what Paul is calling us to do is to look beyond that difficult conversation at why we're having that difficult conversation and what we're trying to achieve. Hey, he wants us to be reunited. Sometimes we have to... Well, we can't jump over the issues and get to that place of being reunited. We have to talk our way through. So I just encourage you to, to see the end goal and make that your finish line. Not getting all emotional and starting to say hurtful things. Sometimes just take a little bit of a break, have a rest, get your head right, have a good night's sleep and come back if you need to. But just make sure that the end goal is achieved. And the last thing I want to talk about this morning is this idea of recalibration or learning to hit the reset button. Um, a few months ago, Heidi's laptop, and you've probably experienced this as well, it, it started to work really slowly. So like you turn it on and literally you have to come back 10 minutes later before it's properly booted up. And uh, we took it into the shop and uh, said, you need to fix this, please and left it with him and came back and said what was the problem and it was basically down to the fact that our children had been playing all sorts of games on it and downloading things off the internet uh, it was full of information do you know have you ever heard of cookies 
where your computer recognizes where you've been and logs certain things. I don't understand the ins and outs of it all, but basically in my head what it means is that when it logs that cookie of where you've gone or what you've done, it means that it can get there quicker next time. And these things build up until your memory or your RAM is full of all of this information that your computer's holding onto to help you get to where you want to go. But there ends up with so much in there that it actually does the opposite. And it's a really slow process. And how does this relate to making relationships work? I think you and I have got so much to learn about this idea of uh, cleaning out the history, cleaning out the cookies, and deleting them out of the computer, about uh, rebooting our computer. Sometimes when it's got a problem, you restart your computer and it just like resets everything. This idea that I think a lot of us live our lives and when things go wrong in relationships, we get these little cookies in our hearts and our minds. You know, and so that when a completely different incident takes place in the future, we filter that through all the other cookies. Does that make sense? We filter that through all the history files. And we can never look at anything with a fresh set of eyes because our lenses are the past, filtering through the past. And I, I really feel like one of the things that we can do so much better at is restarting. And so when there is conflict in our lives, sometimes we need to, to really be able to press the reset button with God's help when we've worked through issues in our lives. That reset button. Sometimes I really believe I, I know and have encountered people who have been through some tough stuff in their lives. And they've said that they've forgiven other people. But when I look at how they express themselves, I, I say you haven't. Because they haven't really been able to reset. You know? Put the past in the past and start afresh again. That's a difficult thing to do. That's a difficult thing to do. Paul says in Ephesians um, Chapter 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, reading from verse 14, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now you might say oh what's that got to do with anything we're talking about hitting the reset button. What is it that's going to help you and I to be better at forgiving and to be better at pressing the reset button? What is it that is really going to help us to get past the hurt, 
to get past the anger, to get past the sense of you, I want you to suffer for what you did to me or said to me or whatever it may be. What is the thing that's going to help us to get past that hurdle? And I believe Paul has said it here, that if we, number one, can truly understand how much God loves us and how we relate to Him, if we get that, we will be changed. If we get how loved we are in spite of who we are, we will be different. And we will begin to deal differently with other people. That's the first thing. Being rooted and established in the Father's love enables us to be so much better at loving other people. Right? That's the first thing that we need. A greater revelation, a greater understanding of how much our Father in heaven adores us in spite of us. And the second point is to think about how often God hits the reset button with you and me. Take a moment to consider that. Because we're trying to ask this question, how can I hit the reset button with someone else if it comes up? How do I actually do it in a way that means something? How is it that God is able to reset the button with you and me? That, I think, is the key. How does he do it? Because Jesus died for every single one of your sins. That means today, he doesn't get uptight with you when you blow it. Because the punishment and the anger and the wrath of God has been poured out on Jesus. Which means there's nothing left to pour out on us. Do you understand that? It's really important for us to understand that. Because that means too that that other person, Jesus has died for all of their sin. That offense against you is a sin before God as well, which has been forgiven. Right? I believe that God needs to help us to understand more. I believe that's what Paul is saying here. We need a greater revelation that the love of God, of the love of God for us. And so I want to encourage you today. Paul says in the book of Colossians, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, all of these vir- and over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Forgive as you've been forgiven. We need a greater revelation of that, of the love of God for us and how he forgives us. And I believe that will help us to release other people. So I don't know where you're at today. We're going to draw it to a close now. I think there's a lot for us to think about, even though there's probably nothing new that we've heard. 
God calls us to unity, to be 100% committed to that goal in all of our relationships. He calls us to be better communicators. And he calls us to be the kind of people that press the reset button in our relationships. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to leadinglightsnetwork.com.